to Relevant Tones. This is your host, Austin Williams. Today, we are going to be doing everything about the bassoon, um, and more specifically, focusing on the artist. Ben Royal Ward, who is doing some really awesome, cool stuff with the bassoon, um, leaning more into the experimental and noisier side of things with his um, extended research into multiphonics and how we can really stretch this instrument into um, new ways and really working with it. Um, I had some excellent conversations with Ben about how the intersection of what he imagines the sound that he wants out of the instrument versus the limitations of the instrument and how you really have to kind of work with that. And that's the true relationship of him discovering and researching how this instrument can work um, in that way with uh, new sounds and exploring new sounds. The first piece we heard is off of a uh, future project that will be um, performed soon uh, called Moonhead. Um, There'll be more about that in the interview. Um, and the piece was called For Dana. Um, that is a, I figured, a nice introduction to kind of this morphing of the bassoon of what we characterize it usually as this um, lower double reed instrument. We get the the standard characteristics, but you really hear it start to morph and transform into this, this, this noisier, um, almost a primal instrument as the, the piece continues. Um, there'll be much more as we continue on in the show about, um, 
the the transformation of the sound and 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 the different directions that Ben will will take the instrument. Um, so enough of me talking and introducing. Um, let's jump into the interview with um, Ben Roydal Ward, and we'll um, discover more about his research and relationship with this instrument. You're obviously in incredible musician bassoonist uh, collaborator um you're doing a lot of really cool projects right thank now you. Thank um you. i um and this is we'll get into more details on like projects in a bit i think but i'm i'm always curious because you specialize a lot on like multiphonics and extended techniques on yeah. the bassoon and when i talk with people or work with people who are in that world i'm always curious like you, the the like Venn diagram of like imagining what you want the sound to be and then like how do you work with like your instrument's limitations and then like at what point do you like you're like okay well the instrument wants to do this so you kind of have to like change your vision on like what the sound is going to be that's a great question I, I really like the way you framed it too I mean if from my perspective if I think back to first discovering multiphonics on the bassoon mm-hmm. You know, the bassoon is a really acoustically problematic instrument. <laughs> you know, it's basically a huge, long wooden tube with a whole bunch of compromises drilled into it yeah, you know, in, in okay. order to make different, you know, chromatic fingerings possible and in tune and all those things. Sure. And because of those acoustical problems of the instrument, there is this amazing world of multiphonics that is just present. You know, okay. it's a part of how that instrument works to the degree that anyone who's first learning to play the instrument will accidentally make those sounds. Sure, sure. You know, when you're first trying to play in the low register, probably at some point you'll tighten the embouchure too much and get this like glorious spectral <laughs> multiphonic coming out. And, you know, when we're first learning the instrument for, I think, partially understandable reasons, we're taught that those are things that we need to avoid. Right. Because there are things that within the scope of traditional technique don't fit into making a clean attack or playing in tune and all those things. And so without even being aware of it, I had encountered those sounds before in sort of an uncontrolled accidental way. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it was when I was at Oberlin where I did my undergrad that I started making friends with all these composers who had this background of, of knowing of those sounds as you know, desirable sonic Mm. acoustic phenomena that could be incorporated into music. Okay. And it was in working with those guys that I was like, oh, wow. You know, there's there's a lot of potential here if I'm able to control these sounds and and replicate them in a way that's reliable and explore them to a bigger extent that this is a gateway into a whole bunch of cool stuff that I had never even imagined before. Sure. And it was through that and also through starting to improvise in different contexts when I was at Oberlin that I really became fascinated with multiphonics to kind of an an extreme degree to the point that, you know, that's something that that's what I wrote my dissertation about at Northwestern. And that's kind of my central focus in terms of I think of myself as, you know, a researcher or a scholar of anything. Right. You know, that's the thing that I focus my attention on. I was going to say, so you have a book, right, that you wrote for bassoon multiphonics? Well, a dissertation. Yeah, yeah. dissertation yeah, yeah. that you wrote yeah. on that. Because I remember it was the beginning of when everything shut down, uh, you did this series, like, a multiphonic. Yeah. And that was kind of fun to watch because... Um, just the the wide no pun intended spectrum of <laughs> of uh multiphonics because you really have these like really subtle ones that are like lovely and delicate and you can have these like really aggressively like brash ones 
Yeah, that was really fun. I mean, that was during the time. I mean, I was living in an apartment, that apartment right around the corner from yeah, here yeah, for at sure. the time. And it was like actual lockdown. Like you weren't supposed to right. leave your house. Right. And, you know, we were all kind of losing our shit. <laughs> and for me, it was kind of a thing. I needed a thing that I could do every day. Totally. That was somehow related. You know, I was writing my dissertation at the time and I was mm-hmm. looking at all these pieces with different multiphonics. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was also just really excited to share these with composers and performers and people who had no idea what I was talking about. Uh Because like you said, you know, if we, if people know what a multiphonic is, they usually think of this like, you know, like kind of this like honky tonk, (laughs) like, like, you know, really raucous thing, which I love those Mm -hmm. multiphonics. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the first ones I discovered. But in a way, the ones that I'm most interested now are the ones that are really subtle and that are just really soft and kind of like flickering, like these like little glowing embers of sound. For sure. 
you know, that, that series, you know, I, I got connected with a bunch of composers that I didn't know before who started asking me questions and I, you know, discovered music I didn't know about and yeah. you know, even ended up collaborating with some people. And so it was a really beautiful thing to come out of this really restricted, strange time. Yeah. Um, so, it's almost some, yeah. for some folks, and I, th- I think myself included, like sometimes, um, you know, you, you kind of put the blinders on during that time, like aggressively, and you really had to make things work within a box. Oh yeah, you know, and oh that, yeah, and that that can yield. It can be feel really restrictive, obviously, but like that can yield really interesting results and kind of productive results. Definitely, I mean, yeah. th- there were a lot of things that came out of that time. You know, it, it was a horrible time in in many right, ways, and I right. don't want to kind of, you know sugarcoat that but right right at the same time there were a lot of projects that i was able to dig deep in during that time that sure. I'm, I'm really grateful to have had that time and i'm yeah. you know i'm proud of what came out of it yeah uh, yeah for yeah. sure yeah great man well so speaking of projects and uh events you had an album come out last year um and it seems like you're kind of shopping that stuff around right now concert yeah. wise and stuff like that um How's that been? How's has you know the concerts and things like that? Well, it's, it's been great. So yeah, the album is um, came out last November on Sideband Records, which yeah. is a relatively new Chicago label for new music. Mm-hmm. And this is actually one of those projects that I I mean I recorded the entire album during the pandemic. Oh really? Okay. And that was really important to me to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning and practice bassoon. Yeah. And yeah. to make reads and to really be serious about my technique still because. You know, we were all doing like these Zoom performances and recorded mm. performances and all that. I'm very grateful to have had that work, but it also, you know, it it, it was really heartbreaking because yeah. it, it wasn't the real thing. And for me, you know, recording this solo album was something that I was still able to do at the highest possible level. Yeah. That, you know, I could still strive to do the very best that uh, I actually could. Right. And so, um, well, you know, you don't you're not trying to collaborate with a chamber group or like a bunch of other folks it right. kind of comes down to you and the work that you put into it right. and therefore you know you have you have that control on the situation right. at least you know? yeah and you know and it was also because it was either solo albums or solo pieces or pieces with one or two other people you know it was sure. possible to do it safely without like being in a giant plexiglass tower right. and like, you know, like all, all this stuff so um <laughs> yeah 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 and and then you know that was my first kind of full-on solo project uh, in, in the recording realm, and it was it. A, a really big learning experience for me. I really enjoyed it, but you know, it was yeah. you know all, all these things that that you're very familiar with in terms of the post production and the editing and the mixing and yeah. the mastering. And, you know, there's yeah. so many things that I kind of vaguely knew about, but then to actually get in and do them was a huge learning experience for me. Um, I'm really proud of how the how the album turned out, and yeah. Yeah. Um, I played. Uh, you know, a re- release show with four of the six pieces at Constellation in November, mm-hmm. which was then such an amazing experience to take this music that I had like on my own been spending so much time with, and then start sharing it with people live. Yeah, because yeah. there's it makes a huge difference. You totally. know, it's it's a completely different experience, not only for me, well, obviously for the audience, but but you know, for me in terms of playing that with some response from an audience there. Oh, yeah. Um, like, for example, the uh, one of the pieces on there is a solo piece by Luis Fernando Amaya mm-hmm. uh, called Pregunta Numero Cuatro Chimera. And this is a piece that we developed over a long time that has all these really soft, subtle, transforming sounds. And in mm. the score, he writes that the audience should be invited to sit up as close as possible to oh, the performer. So hear it, yeah. Yeah, yeah because, yeah. you know, it's you. if you were sitting in the back of the hall, you might not hear some of it interesting yeah and for sure that was it was like 
it felt like I was like a storyteller or something. Mm. You know, like these people sitting like right <laughs> up here, and and it was so cool. It was such a special experience, and yeah. it completely transformed the piece for me.
So well, and that could be really powerful in the way you program it too. Because if you have like that, and then like maybe something that following it that's like really aggressive or something, yeah, that can really like like <laughs> there are, there are a couple the pieces on the album where you really don't want to be that yeah. close. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I I checked out obviously checked out that album. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a lovely variety of you know composers and works on there, and they're they're all great. I I would be curious, um, you know, what it's like to actively try and like record an album with those sounds and like the the, the struggles or like the because you're obviously you're, you can't just go into it and be like oh i'm recording a bassoon it's like no i'm recording a bassoon <laughs> doing some different things yeah <laughs> yeah well and and i mean one of my most important partnerships in that album was with dan nichols who recorded oh, and mixed yeah. and mastered it for sure and dan is actually a former bassoonist oh really and uh, also someone who really is deeply engaged in new music and who has kind of a similar fasc- fascination to me with those kinds of sounds and mm-hmm. so it was really important to me to work with someone who i trusted to kind of understand what i was trying to capture here sure sure because a lot of that is not only you know, the viscerality and the grittiness of, of the sounds themselves, but then also the way that they're moving around the instrument. Yeah. You know, like like there's this, these panning effects that happen on this huge long wooden oh, tube. so interesting. And yeah. so, you know, what we ended up doing is Dan attached a whole bunch of different clip-on microphones on different locations mm-hmm. on the instrument, and then we had a set of three close mics around me. Wow. And then two different arrays of, of room mics. And yeah. so what yeah. that meant was that he was able to capture these sounds from a lot of different angles and at a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. And that that made it possible to recreate the complexity and and sort of the unpredictability of some of those sounds yeah. really well in the recording, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was really important to me that that was captured in there. Totally. Um, because, yeah. you know, you'll never be able to completely hear it the way it is live. Right. But there's also a perspective of a recording where there are things that you can hear more immediately or more directly yeah. because we can point them out with panning or, you know, different kinds of balances in the, in the mix of different microphones. And yeah, so yeah, I sure. was really grateful to get to work with him and I'm really happy with that aspect of the project. God, that's so well. cool. Yeah. I, I, I guess it makes sense if you're like really trying to focus on a specific sound that's coming out of a specific part of the instrument you can't just throw a blanket mic on it has to like kind of be right there next to where it's coming from right
talk about so Moonhead is the project with Ben um, Llewellyn. Yeah. And so you were we were just talking about collaborating with recording engineers, and that's obviously very uh, direct to what you do with the bassoon because sound and all that. But um, uh, Ben is a visual artist, and so just tell us about the project. What's going on? What what can we expect from it? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Ben Llewellyn is a visual artist and an animator based in Portland, yep. and he's one of my very oldest friends. I mean, we, we met in middle school, and we really grew up together. And, you know, he's one of those people who they're just a handful of people you know are going to be really close friends and collaborators for the rest of your yeah, life. You know? yeah. And it's, we've, we've spent enough time, you know, sharing conversations and projects and ideas with each other that, you know, we, we've really influenced each other's artistic personalities That's a lot cool. yeah and ever since we were kids we were doing you know silly little projects together <laughs> you know in terms of you know like making little recordings like you know on a zoom recorder yeah. or like you know stop motion animation okay. or like you know like we like co-authored like a, a like probably very embarrassing now like little graphic novelette <laughs> you know, like but but you know we were always just you know we were always interested in each other's perspectives on these things. Yeah, and we always yeah. found that working with each other was uh, something that, that could lead us down a path that was kind of greater than the sum of its parts. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah. So he, he's, he's, you know, a friend and also an artistic partner that I really treasure. Yeah. And we have been talking for a while and doing these experiments for a while where, you know, I would play something or record something and then he would send me an image back and then we would kind of have like this oh, conversation okay. in that way yeah. across mediums. And um, that was, last year was my first year teaching at the University of Northern Iowa mm -hmm. and they had this summer fellowship grant, you know, for yeah. projects. And I was like, well, I'll just apply to actually have funding to do something right. seriously, yeah, you know, yeah. that we can release with Ben. And I got the funding and so we just started... You know, I, I had a couple of like beginnings of pieces that I had been, excuse me, uh, working on that I would send him and he would send me feedback and then mm -hmm. he would send me like little sketches in response. Okay. Yeah. And those transformed into these, you know, they're nine short solo bassoon pieces about half an hour of music total. Okay. And then these four, I think 24 by 36 inch oil paintings yeah. that yeah. have in some ways a very direct relationship you know there are some things that correlate between certain parts of the painting and of the recordings very directly yeah and then other things that are just sort of atmospheric or okay. um, you know more indirect and yeah. so the way that it's it's going to be released is as a digital album uh -huh. and then also the only physical manifestation of it will be a poster oh, uh, okay. so instead of buying a cd you you can buy like a poster oh, that's and cool. yeah. the, because our idea is that as you're listening, you're also, you know, looking at, at the paintings and interacting with them and kind of imagining yeah. what, what the relationships can be.
there are of the nine tracks, there are probably three or four that are basically pieces. You know, it's like they they're the same every time. You know, one yeah. of them I've actually like notated to share with people. Yeah. But then there are some of them that it's like kind of the pieces like a fingering oh, that I okay. then interact with. And yeah. you know, it's like I kind of like start playing and then I wait until something happens and then it goes in another direction. Oh, okay. You know, in the sense that there are these you know, really complex spectral multiphonics that will turn in one direction or another, and then that kind of leads me down a different oh, path. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so... So it goes, kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about how, like, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of the instrument sometimes. And, yeah. But that's cool that you have this relationship with it, and you kind of lean into it, and you're like, all right, well, then we're going to go this direction with this, yeah. opposed to being, like, really fixed on, like... <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's a really transformative experience for me, actually, because I think... You know, the way that we learn to play instruments is like, okay, well, if you put down this fingering and you get your embouchure right, then like this note is going to come out. Yeah, you know? and, yeah. And that we have to work on getting that really, and that it's, it's kind of like a, a like unidirectional path. Mm-hmm. It's like the music tells you to do something and then you do that thing and then that thing comes out. Right. Or that, or something goes wrong somewhere along that line. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things that's been really fascinating for me in this project and also in learning you know, a couple of, of solo pieces that really engage with these sounds, like Axis Mooney, the title track yeah. on my album is this yeah. way, is that it's kind of like the, the music, the written music is leading me down this path where I'm constantly having to check back in with the resistance and the response from my instrument and mm-hmm. how that's manifesting in sound. Okay. That, you know, it's like, like sometimes I just have to wait until this one harmonic presents itself okay. before I can move on to the next, part and it's it's almost like it's leading me down this path of engaging with my instrument in a way that's more conversational yeah rather than you know like i say this and you do this yeah but it's like well i'm kind of like looking for this right and either i find it right away or i find something else and and so that's that's a really exciting part of playing this kind of music well it adds an amount of i mean chance or you know for lack of a better word to to the music and it allows it to be a little different every time you know you're not you're not stuck in this rigid you know idea of like you know like you said piece begins middle end kind of deal and you see the notes and you play them this is definitely this flex and it's not so much of like this like oh just do this for this amount of time it's like you're waiting having a conversation and then, you know, anticipating how to work with what's going to happen. Absolutely.
I have a solo show at the International Museum of Surgical Science that oh, I'm really yeah, excited I about. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so th this is happening at um, the end of April, April 28th. Okay. And this, first of all, is just like one of the coolest rooms in Chicago, I, I think. I've been, to, so what, I've been to the museum before, so what yeah. room is it? In? So it's in, uh, it's called the Hall of the Immortals. It's the one with all the big statues. Oh my in gosh, it. yes. That's yeah, so, so cool. it's like, you know, <laughs> if, if anyone is kind of trying to imagine it, it's like this big, huge marble room yeah. that has all these giant statues of uh, famous surgeons, like, right. you know, Hippocrates and, like, people like that. Right, right. And so it's this very grand and kind of creepy-looking yeah. space. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. for me, playing, like, super weird solo bassoon music in that room yeah. seems extremely appropriate. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And so... Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about this program. It's uh, it'll have four world premieres on it. Oh my god! Um, and one Chicago premiere, um, and there three of them are solo pieces, and then one is a duo for bassoon and baritone voice. Oh, uh, cool! A boat song by Lisa Lim. Okay, um, who was also the composer of Axis Mundi on oh, my album, okay. and um, is you know a composer who has really you know changed my life and opened my eyes through her yeah. music and That's great. Uh, so i'm really excited to get to do that piece and there's a duo for bassoon and cello uh, mm. by pablo rubino that i'm playing with uh, isadora noikovic who also mm. happens to be my wife uh, incredible cellist <laughs> and I, i'm really excited for that uh and then let's see what else we have a, a new solo piece by osnat netzer mm. uh, who teaches down at depaul mm -hmm. um and a new solo piece by pierce Gourdon who's yeah. a dear friend of mine, um, who's now teaching in the, uh, I can't remember, uh, RTMF, Radio Television Media Film okay. Department yeah. at, at Northwestern. Yeah. Um, and it's the, the title of his piece is Solitary Vices, which became the title of the show. Cool. Um, yeah. And then I'm also playing, which will be the Chicago premiere of Taxidermy by Yiting Lu, mm. who uh, was a colleague of mine up at Northwestern doing her PhD there yeah. and has been someone that I've been collaborating a lot with recently. Uh 
and yeah, I'm really, really excited about this program. It, it's got a lot of yeah. you know the things that I'm most interested in mm-hmm. in the bassoon are happening there, yeah. and they're pieces that have been really stretching me, you know, technically, artistically, musically, sure, and are also just all composers that I feel really lucky to have yeah. collaborative relationships with. So. I'm also just imagining that space. It's so live. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be really cool. Actually, yeah. you know, yeah, it's. That. I yeah. think it's gonna sound great in there, yeah. and. Um, yeah, and, and I'm hoping to you know make some creative lighting decisions so it also looks yeah. looks nice in there. Yeah. And yeah, for me, you know, collaborating with composers over the last ten years of my life has been kind of the most rewarding, exciting, uh, yeah. artistic type of relationship mm-hmm. that I have. And so for me, you know, this is something that I really want to do regularly. Just kind of present. A concert of all new work, yeah. You know, people that I've been working with because um, it's really important to me. You know that that's something that I see as m- one of my life missions is yeah. to expand the repertoire of the instrument, yeah, and to expand it in ways that push the boundaries of what the instrument can do in terms of its technique, in terms of the sonic possibilities, you know, and and also in terms of sort of the musical, um, you know, affects that it's possible to communicate. Yeah, for sure. And so for me you know, the idea of being a part of bringing this whole new repertoire to be, that's mm-hmm. something that's really exciting. Yeah. And so, you know, the, this show kind of is, is a big statement of that for Good. me. Um, um, you're, it's, it's actually great to have a, a performer on the show. I, I talk a lot with composers uh-huh. and, and people, so it's good to have, it's great to have someone who, a performer who is like actively working with composers and that's, that's like kind of your mission. Um, and I've, but I've also spoken to composers and performers alike where um, Chicago is such a lovely, it's a great place to be for that because I feel like there's always, you'll never have a shortage of people writing music here because for some reason a lot of composers have found their home here and you'll never find a shortage of people who are just like down with like weird new stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. just like a lovely scene where, and it's kind of a melting pot. You get people from all coasts and around the world that end up here. So Absolutely. Yeah, so it's such a diverse background and, you know, an approach to it all as well. So. Yeah.
Another show I'm really excited about is on May 7th at Elastic. I'm playing a show uh-huh. with Dana Jessen and Catherine Young, who are two of my absolute bassoon heroes, Yeah, who are people who early on in my journey in new music and improvisation uh, really inspired me through their performances and their recordings. Cool. And then were both people who, when I reached out to them, were incredibly generous and supportive and yeah, yeah. you know helped, helped me along in the early stages of it. And so... I'm just so excited to get to collaborate with them in this way. Um, We're presenting a new work for three bassoons that's collaboratively (laughs) composed. So each of us is composing a section of it, but, you know, they're kind of overlapping and interspersed. And so that's going to be part of the Dangente Presents series. Oh, okay, um, cool. As part of Dangente's season of, uh, you know, projects that are being taken on by Dangiente members, but aren't necessarily, you know, programmed by Dangiente yeah, staff. Yeah, totally, yeah. And so I'm, I'm really excited for that. It's kind of really outside of my comfort zone in terms of stepping in and, you know, composing to such a degree for other people. Sure, um, yeah. But, you know, there are two people who I just trust and admire so much so did you guys compose works for each other is that how it worked out or is it yeah so there you know there's a wide variety of the kind of material that we're playing with some of it Mm -hmm. is very kind of like heavy duty bassoon trio chorale multiphonic you know dissonance stuff okay and then some of it is you know playing with with objects and having you know tape uh you know pre-recorded material okay yeah um and then you know just like some things that will end up being like more soloistic or duo Mm -hmm. passages Mm -hmm. that then come back together um so i'm really excited for how it's going to turn out and yeah you know it's really special for me to get to work with the two of them specifically yeah for sure that's on may 7th may 7th yeah elastic right on right on cool i should have possibly preface the episode with this um there are some pieces that are just excerpted um in this episode because they are rather long and i wanted to um do my best to showcase and broadcast the wide variety of uh works that ben has done with the um, multitude of composers he has also collaborated with um hope you enjoy the interview i thoroughly enjoyed getting to know ben's works a bit more the techniques and the processes that he um, uses to create these just absolutely wild and fascinating sounds out of the bassoon. Um, Please do go check out these events um, that he has mentioned in the episode. Um, We should um, link them in the bottom or the description of the episode in case you are curious. Um, You can also follow him on social media, um, Ben Royal Ward. Uh, he's very present on, um, those as well. Um, go check out his band camp, uh, where his albums will be available for purchase and download. Um, really fascinating stuff that we discovered today. Um, as always, Relevant Tones is a product of Access Contemporary Music. Um, please find out more at acmusic.org and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.